Frank Ocean? I was just reminded of that song earlier today. Shouts out my pal Ellis Fackler. Who knows what his Instagram username is at the moment? He's always changing it. It's based off of where he's living at the moment. So it was Ellis Towson, and then it was Ellis Canton. It might still be Ellis Canton, but check out Ellis Fackler, Quest for Love clothing line. I got a shirt. I should have worn that for this shout out, but that would require me being prepared. So no shade to you, Ellis. This is really on me. Uh, My name is Jimmy Seleski. Here on the day after Valentine's Day. That's right, folks. It is Side Chick Thursday, February 15th. I call it Side Chick Thursday. That that was an old restaurant term as well. Uh, It was what we used to call the day when all the guys would take out their side chick. You know, obviously, you're going to take your main out on the 14th. Now, I've never been a, a main chick, side chick guy. I've always been a main, main chick guy. But uh, side chicks are a thing, unfortunately. And this is your day. If you're a side chick, maybe skip lunch because you're in for a treat tonight. Um, we're doing part two of this Red Flags Day, Valentine's Day special. Um, I was going to try to trick you. Uh, into thinking that it's the same day, it's the same take, and I recorded this whole episode uh, all in one take. Um, That's why I'm wearing the same shirt as I did yesterday, not just because I usually wear a shirt two days in a row. My rule for shirts is if, if, if nobody that saw me yesterday is likely to see me today, I'm gonna wear the same shirt. Now, the problem is I have a billion T-shirts. I literally have a billion... My ex-girlfriend used to just buy me, or not even buy me shirts, just like come across shirts. I don't even know where she got them from. But there was just, it was like a monthly shipment of like 12 shirts, three of which fit me, all of which are in my cabinets. So really, I'm the type of person that could, in theory, go, I could wear multiple shirts a day as opposed to one shirt for multiple days. But that's just the kind of guy I am, man. I don't, I'm not down with the whole, I I have two pairs of pants, jeans, and I rock them every day. Actually, my other pair of jeans, I I hardly ever wear my black jeans, kind of waiting to slim down a little bit. Um, But these blue jeans, I wear them every day. Every day. You don't need to wash jeans. I feel like that's a thing. You don't need to wash jeans. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's part two of this Valentine's Day special. We left it off. We left it off, uh, at, well, well, before I get into that, I did, uh, I did have jury due this morning, jury duty, which was, uh, it's actually the first time I've ever actually shown up. It's the first time I've ever actually gone to jury duty. And it's not that before I decided, fuck it, I'm not going to go. It's just I forgot. This time I actually entered it into my calendar. And oh boy, what a treat. So glad I did. Complete waste of time. I had no, here's the thing. I always knew jury duty was a waste of time. But it wasn't until I actually showed up that I realized, 
just how much of a waste of time it is. Did you know this? Did you guys know how jury duty works? Because I'm 31. I just found out today how jury duty actually works. Um, I was under the impression that you show up and there's already a case. That's why you've been called. Somebody said, Your Honor, I'm requesting a jury as my civic right. I am requesting a jury. And then the county goes, ah, shit. We better summon 250 people to show up today so that the the council can then go through these different people and select a jury. I don't even know how many people wind up on the thing. Is it 10, 7? I don't know. It's one of those weird numbers. 7 sounds like a number. Nine, it's always like, I'm assuming it's an odd number, but I feel like with jury, they have to be unanimous, right? Like a hung jury is when it's not unanimous. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Um, So I guess in that that department, I don't know how many people they need, but I assumed that this was based off of a case that was already in need of a jury. That's, and and then you would show up and you would, and they'd ask you questions. Um... Uh, have you ever been convicted of a crime, a felony? No. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Because they, they think maybe you might be biased. You know, you might be biased. Do you uh, hold any uh, predispositions towards certain groups of people being more likely to commit crimes? Uh, yes. I mean, <clears throat> no, no, absolutely not. Of course. What? No, no. Okay, good. Did you? Okay. Okay. And then you go through that, and then they look at you, and they're like, all right, what, which group of 10 people is going to be the best for this case? And the, the, the lawyers have to vote on it, blah, blah, blah. That's not at all how it actually goes down. How it actually goes down is you show up um, to the Baltimore County Circuit Court, which is this gigantic building of which it appears they use 2% of Um you go through a security checkpoint, um, no coffee, no food. You got to bring your own shit. You show up at 8.30 in the morning, which I've been waking up at 8, which really means my alarm goes off at 8, and then uh, I press snooze until 8.40 and make it out of bed just in time to start my day at 9. But today, uh, God held my feet to the fire and said, no, dude, you actually have to wake up at 8. You know how you've been saying you've been waking up at 8? No, you actually have to wake up at 8 now. And I was like, oh boy, this is a lot harder than waking up at 8.40. That's that's a big 40 minutes. That's a big 40 minutes, especially when you didn't sleep well. Real quick tangent. I've whittled it down to asparagus. Asparagus is a vegetable. It makes your pee smell weird famously. It definitely does. I like asparagus. I think it's one of the better ones. I especially like it with a steak and mashed potatoes. I think it's a good vegetable. Highly fibrous, though, and when you have a fibrous vegetable, I'm not going where you think I'm going with this. It's it's just, it takes a lot for your system to digest. Like, it's a lot of calories. Like, your, your system burns calories digesting. In fact, I heard one time that celery, the vegetable, the stalk celery, which I rarely eat any of. I don't know when the last time I've had a piece of celery. I don't even feel like they sell them with wings anymore. Remember when celery would always come with wings? I don't feel like they give out celery with wings anymore. When's the last time you bought wings from a place and they gave you celery? That used to be a thing, I'm pretty sure. 
I heard that that's actually negative calories because the amount of calories in celery is less than the amount of calories your body burns in order to digest it. So you actually are literally ingesting negative calories when you eat celery. Asparagus, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but it requires a lot of work, a lot of work to digest. And I eat right before I go to bed. And you know how like when you drank, you drank during the day and, or, or at night and you go to bed and your dreams are just wackadaisical. It's because your body, your mind is not, you don't actually go into a full cycle of sleep. Your, your mind is essentially, your brain is essentially putting out the same alpha waves or whatever the fuck they measure. I'm just making up things at this point. But this is actually a thing, I'm pretty sure. Your brain is actually on the same like activity level, like aliveness level, as you would be if you were just laying on the couch watching TV. Like you're not super active, but you're not asleep. You're not unconscious necessarily. So you go to sleep, but when you've been drinking, your mind is actually closer to how it would be if it was awake than if it was in an actual deep sleep. So you don't actually get a recuperative sleep. That's why I always say um, a day after, the day after a night of drinking requires two coats of sleep, like paint, like a paint job, two coats of sleep. You go to sleep drinking, you wake up obviously hungover. The, the, the catch 22, the curse of, of being hungover is you need to sleep but you can't sleep. You wake up like way too early at like 8 a.m. on like a Saturday and you're like, fuck, and you're dehydrated and then you lay there, you try to go to sleep, you can't. So you're just like, I guess I'll just start my day. I guess I'll just start my day. I feel miserable. I'm tired of shit, but I can't sleep. And then about, you go out, you eat some gargantuanly big meal. You go and you go back home, you sit on the couch, you, you're absolutely worthless for the first three hours of your day. And then finally, you're ready to go to sleep. You fall asleep, Again, at like noon or 1 p.m., you wake up two hours later, boom, you're good to go. You're good to go. Two coats of sleep. That's all it takes to get over a hangover. Very similar with, with asparagus. My body was, was racing to digest this asparagus, I've, I, I've determined, because this has happened to me before. This is the second time this has happened to me, and the common denominator is asparagus. I had the most crazy dreams. I did not have a restful sleep at all. I did not have a restful sleep at all. Dreams of all kinds of things. Like, like several different ones. Not just like one dream. Like several different dreams. And guess what? They were all stressful. And uh, so, so needless to say, I definitely woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. And went to jury duty. And apparently, what actually happens at jury duty is uh, you go in and and you're just on standby. They don't have a case necessarily for you to juror. They select a bunch of people at random. I think it's every three years. Might differ depending on where you are in the country. But every three years, your name gets dropped into the thing and it randomly selects and you get picked and you get picked with like 250 other people and then you call the night before and they go, okay, if your number is one through whatever, then you do have to show up. Otherwise, don't worry about it. And of course, I was in one through whatever. I was number 124 and the cutoff was 140. So I was like, fuck, I got to show up. So I actually do show up. And I get there, you know, 835, fashionably late. You always want to show up fashionably late to court. That's cool. Fashionably late. Hey, man, you know, 
This isn't all I got going on today. It's 8.30 in the morning. What, do you think I got nothing going on? So I show up, um, walk in, sit down, big room, mezzanine level. Kind of weird, like this gigantic building, they have half floors. So, so, so there's not really a, like an elevator to this floor. It's like Hogwarts. It's like, oh, you're on floor 1.5. Like meeting John Malkovich or something. Being John Malkovich. You're like, what the? I'm in like a fucking uh, platform nine and three quarters in the jury room. And uh, this woman gets up and she's like, hey guys, I'm going to show you this video. Can't figure it out. This woman has one job. This woman has literally one job, I've determined. And that is to tell everyone who just showed up for jury duty that has no idea what going, what's going on. Um, hey guys, this is what's going on. Of course, I'm not paying attention because I already know this stuff, right? I'd never done it, but I already know how this works. You're going to call on me. You're going to ask me some questions. Wrong. So this woman has one job and she has already blown it. She can't get the TV to work for the orientation video. That's really the only thing that happens. You watch the orientation video. It's about 10 minutes. It's like a judge. Hi, I'm a judge and, and I'm a bailiff. Hi, Mr. Bailiff. And this is how courts work and here, the court system and you. You're a jury. You will be asked to assess a case. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm not paying attention. I'm on my phone. Video ends. Five minutes go by. Hmm. I guess this lady, she's not in the room. I guess this lady vastly overestimated the length of this video, even though I'm assuming she shows it every day for her entire career. 10 minutes go by. 20 minutes go by. I soon thereafter gather... This is all it is. The video played. It's over now. And now we just wait. There's court cases going on upstairs. Maybe, possibly, one of them might request a jury, in which case they will come down and select a jury. Otherwise, from 8.30 to 4.30, we sit and we wait. So, uh, not at all, and, 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 and in compensation for eight hours of your day and missing work, you get a grand smacking, you guessed it, 30 bucks. 30 bucks, what's that per hour? I did the math. $3.75 an hour. Not even half of minimum wage. That's kind of wild, isn't it? I miss a day of work. I sit in the courthouse for eight hours as my civic duty, and I get paid $3.75 an hour. Not as a check. I thought it was going to be some type of, like, thing where they're like, you know how the government does shit, like, convolutedly. They're like, oh, well, it's 30 bucks, and we're just going to deduct it from your tax statement or whatever. Like, I just thought I was going to owe 30 less bucks when I pay my taxes or something. Wrong. They give you an envelope with a $20 bill and a $10 bill. Like, the least efficient, the least official, the most efficient way of doing it, but the least official. I was actually surprised pleasantly. I was like, damn, they just handed me an envelope of straight cash, $20 bill and a $10 bill. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody got like 30 ones. <laughs> like it, it really was mind boggling. I was like, damn, that's how they do shit here. And uh, serendipitously, I ran into a friend of mine from, uh, I had a feeling when I walked in that I was going to run into somebody I knew. You know, I knew mathematically speaking that there were going to be 140 people 
who are residents of Baltimore County in this courthouse. What are the odds that of those 140 people, one of them would be someone that I knew? Not that high, necessarily. I walk in, and standing directly behind me in line is my buddy Phil. We used to work together at Cheesecake Factory. We were drinking buddies. We've been to Ocean City together. We fucking, like, we, we were boys. We were boys. And he's right behind me, Jimmy Selesky. Holy shit. Getting Philly with it. No way. So we sit there. They say at noon, they're like, hey, man. You know, I, I of course, walked back to my house and got my laptop to put in some bets. I don't think you're allowed to do that. But I was like, I'm, I'm walking home. I walked home, made myself a cup of coffee, got my laptop, came back, because I was completely unprepared for this day. Get back within 10 minutes. They're like, all right, lunch break. You guys have an hour. I text Phil. Yo, let's fucking go to CVP. Get some beers for old time's sake. He's like, are you sure you're allowed to do that? Like, uh, we're adults, aren't we? We're, uh, you don't think the lawyers grab a couple beers on their lunch break? We're... We're fucking on jury duty, baby. We got to fucking loosen the goose a little bit. Let's go to CVP where we used to hang out after serving shifts. Let's get some beers. Let's get a couple buka shots in us. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? I show back up at 1 p.m., couple beers deep and a buka shot. I'm ready to find some motherfuckers guilty. Guilty, your honor. You can't handle the truth. Objection. This whole court is out of order. I was hoping for it. I was really hoping for it. And then we just, you know, two hours later, we get dismissed. It's like, damn, dude. What a waste of time. I just sat in a room. You know what it basically was? Lunch detention. I had lunch detention today. I made it this far out of high school without having lunch detention, and I finally got it. Except the only difference is this lunch detention, adult lunch detention, they don't even give you lunch. What a ripoff. So I served my civic duty of a six-hour in-school suspension, and now I don't have to worry about it again for another three years. So that was fun. I went to jury duty and all I got was this lousy sticker and 30 bucks, which our tab after tip was exactly $60 at uh, CVP. So we both just spent our jury money completely on, on beers at lunch, which is perfect. Maybe that's how they gauge the wage. It's not based off of hourly. It's just based off of like, look, you have an hour unless you're insane you can at most spend $30 for lunch. So here you go. And you also don't have time to eat, so we're just factoring in beer and shots here. Anyway, enough about that. That was just a fun little experience I had. Um, I do want to get to these red flags here. I do. I've been avoiding it. I've been avoiding everything today. I haven't done anything today. Um, I did clean the cameras. Do I look like cleaner now? Do I look like clearer I've been I've been bending over backwards trying to figure out how to fix like just improve the image on the on the video and it turns out that when you have a year's worth of soot from a kerosene heater and cigarette smoke and other assorted uh pollutants 
on your camera lenses that never get cleaned off, that could vastly affect the image. So I'm actually, I'm actually kind of, you know, curious to see what this looks like. It looks good. I don't know if it's placebo effect, but it looks better just on my monitor. So hopefully this is better. But let's get into these red flags. You know, what do you say? Let's move on to um, the gendered ones. Let's, let's get out of the general ones and move to the general ones. Okay, so we're just going to alternate back and forth. I got a top 10 for both. I'm going to try to move through these a little bit more quickly, but not too quickly. I got nowhere to be. Do you? What, you don't have a pause button? You can't pause this and come back later? What the fuck? You know? I want to start here first. We're going to start at the bottom. We're going to start with girls and then go to guys and then go back to girls and guys. We're going to alternate all the way up to number one. But we're going to start with non-red flags, a, a non-red flag for both. These are things that are commonly perceived as red flags for either gender that, in my opinion, are not necessarily red flags. Coming in first with women. It is not a red flag that she talks about the future, i.e. marriage, kids, family, early into the keyword committed relationship. This does not mean that when you go on your first date, she's already talking about what you're going to name your kids and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you've been dating the girl for long enough that she is your girlfriend. Once she's your girlfriend, she is well within your, her right to discuss the future. Because if, if not, then you're wasting her fucking time. Because again, why else would you date someone if your intention is not to ultimately go to the next level? Who dates someone with the intention of breaking up? I ask once again. This goes, I guess, for either, but it's more commonly thought of as like a thing with, with women where they like, I think people want to say it's like moving too fast. It's not moving too fast, especially for women. Um, you know, they, ha they have to be more, they're more selective when it comes to uh, sexual partners, obviously, naturally, biologically speaking. Um, and they, they take, they're a little bit, they're more mature than men of the same age, which is why they tend to date men that are a little bit older. Um, and they have a real biological clock that exists. And they, especially when you get to uh, your late 20s and early 30s and things like that, mid 30s especially, yeah, they don't really have time to fuck around with some fuck boy who isn't ready for marriage, hasn't thought about kids or anything. That's not, like, no. That's not a red flag at all. I would argue it's more of a red flag if they don't care about kids and don't care about getting married. That's kind of weird. It's not that guys can be indifferent about marriage. I would say that guys should have an appreciation for marriage. I would say that might be like a red flag for a guy if he's like, what, it's just a piece of paper. That's definitely a red flag, actually, um, which I talk about later. But um, for, the, for the purposes of this conversation, um, no, like I said, when you begin to date someone, you're courting someone and you're courting them for marriage, um, you... 
you need to be certain that that person has the same intentions as you. If you're if you want kids and you find yourself in a relationship with someone who absolutely uncompromisingly does not want kids, unfortunately you need to end that relationship. Um I I, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh you know, if they're not willing to bend on that um you know, that's kind of what the whole point of this is. Like you 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 get in relationships and you start families and have sex and for reproduction. That's why we're here. You have to do it. That's the purpose of life. It's not to to surf on a beach in Hawaii and uh, whatever else. I mean, those are all great things and you know, enjoying life or whatever. But what 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 is what is enjoying life? What is the purpose of happiness if you can't share it? And and that's kind of your job, I think, to have kids. But I'm not going to get in a whole kids thing. Um, you know, I know a lot of people might disagree with me on that. I think it's kind of a a potential mark of a selfish person who absolutely outright refuses to have children. But hey, I could be wrong. Um, I, uh, but in the context of this, yeah, it's not a red flag if women start talking about serious business once you're dating. Doesn't mean you have to get married within six months of dating, but you have to make sure you're on the same page. Um, this one might piss a lot of women off. Because this is something that I think a lot of girls would consider a red flag for men. That I, as a completely non-biased observer, uh, would argue is not a red flag. And that is uh, following a few Instagram models and, and watching porn occasionally. A lot of women uh, consider, if a guy follows like, you know, I get it. If it, if the guy's follows on Instagram are all Instagram thoughts, that's one thing. I get that. That's like OD. But if you go through his follows and he follows like one or two or three or 30, no, I'm just kidding. One or two or three, like maybe not porn stars. I wouldn't go that far. But like, just like pretty women, like models. Like these, how long do guys have Instagrams? Probably, you know, you, everybody's had an Instagram for like 10 years now, minimum. You know? These might be models he followed in high school. These might be models he followed, you know, like when he was single and just saw a pretty girl and, and thought she was pretty and followed her. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, I've heard girls say it's, it means you have a wandering eye. It's like, no, it means that I find women attractive. Guess what? Uh, every straight man and every straight woman and every gay man and every gay woman, every person notices attractive people. Like, if your idea of a relationship is I must be the first attractive person and only attractive person my partner has ever seen or thought was attractive. And and likewise, I have never seen an attractive person, nor will I ever see one again outside of my partner. It's not, that's unrealistic. It's bullshit. You know, it's, it's about more than that. And, uh, you know, the idea that a guy, you know, flips on porn once a week or so or whatever, a, a reasonable amount per week when he's bored. It's not a problem. I, I, I know porn is bad for you. I know 
that it would be ideal if you didn't do it at all. But I don't think it's a red flag if, if you know, I mean, the way I see like following a few Instagram models is like the same when you like walk into like a mechanic shop and they just have like a swimsuit calendar up. It's like what we can't have any level of attractive women just kind of casually in the background. Like that's really what it is. You go into the fucking auto body shop and guy goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to have to replace the tires. Blah, blah, blah. And in the back, there's like a calendar from four years ago, like a 2019 calendar uh, on May. And it's like October, 2024. And you're like, and it's just like, you know, some Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. It's like, that's a f- essentially what it is. Like, clearly the guy liked that chick and decided he was never going to turn the page on the calendar or get another one when the year changed. You know, or maybe he just forgot. But either way, it's just it's just part of guy culture to just kind of appreciate beautiful women. And it's not necessarily a red flag that your significant other, uh, you know, f- has noticed a few models or whatever. Now, if he's like liking all the pictures and stuff and liking girls that he actually knows pictures that are posting like fucking thoughty things, that's a different thing. And I'm going to tie that into a later one. That's actually on you ladies. Um, number 10 for women moving, uh, out of the non red flags. These are red flags. This is gonna, this might get me in trouble and I'm not saying this to get in trouble. I'm not doing this to be a shock jock, but it's something it's something I think. It's something I kind of believe. And I'm a little bit of a hypocrite about it. All men are. But it's a little bit of a red flag if a woman fucks on the first date. It is. It is. To me. Might not be to you, but to me it is. Um, there's just certain dynamics in a relationship I mean, there's two things going on here. A, if she fucked you on the first date after knowing you for, for two hours or whatever, you know, how many, how many dudes has she fucked on the first date? And I know this is why, this is why people are going to disagree with me because they're going to sit here and go, why does it matter? Why does it matter how, how many people she's had sex with? I don't know. It does. It does to me. It does. Might not to you. It's great. Go ahead. Live your life. It does to me. Um, And I think it does to a lot of men. Um, uh, You know, we don't want to feel like our wife has fucked a ton of dudes or that our wife is easy because it's kind of, uh, it's kind of natural. I hate to use a fucking saying from the 1910s, but unfortunately it's never been said better. And that is, um, you know, the shitty lock and master key. It's just true. A key that can open any lock is a master key. A lock that can be opened by any key is a shitty lock. And that, of course, is a metaphor to male and female sexual behavior that I tend to think is... Unfortunately, for everyone listening to this in mad, I think it's true. I think that men are biologically wired um, to want to reproduce, to want to um, have sex with not just with with not just have sex as much as possible, but have sex with as many partners as possible. That's actually part of our wiring. 
and 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 society has tamed that down through things like marriage and things like that. But if you look in the wild, if you look at the animal kingdom, males that are more dominant, males that are more successful, mate with more females. They're able to spread their genetics to more females. The reason that doesn't apply to women is because women have an entirely different uh, level of vulnerability that they accept when they enter into a sexual uh, transaction. Obviously, the whole stuff of like a man could be physically harmful, whatever, stuff like that, rape and things like that. But even beyond that, when a man gets a woman pregnant, it it doesn't necessarily have to have any effect on his life um, out, unless if he wants to be a dirtbag, he can. Like, and if you're, it's a fucking animal kingdom uh, fucking 10,000 years ago when we're just living like fucking monkeys in the jungle or whatever on the plains. If, you, if you're, a, if you're, you need to make sure as a woman that the guy that you get impregnated by is actually going to, that you have some type of system where you can be taken care of because I don't think it's really easy for you to hunt when you're nine months pregnant. It's kind of like it, you're, you're vulnerable. You need protection. Like there's a lot more that goes into how a, a woman on a biological level, level selects a mate. Women are females across every species. Every species are the more selective sex. That is their job. Females are nature's selectors. Men try to do things. Men are like the birds with the flashy colors and try to put on a dance and impress the female. And the females, this is every insect. This is every fucking mammal. This is every single animal that I can think of. Maybe there's some weird whistling uh, jujitsu frog in, in East Narnia that I'm forgetting. But for them... For the purposes of an actual intellectual conversation, this is how nature works. Males compete, females select. That's what it is. So in a way, it actually strikes me as unnatural for a woman to engage in uh, a high variety of sexual partners. That whole myth of, of sex and, and uh, uh, the sex drive and things like that isn't a myth. Women can have the same desire to have sex as a man. I think the difference is that on a natural level, men desire more variance. Women desire... So the average amount that they want to have sex is the same. Imagine a bell curve. The average amount that men and women want to have, wanna have sex is the same. But men are wired to... Oh, I want to have sex with her, blah, 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 blah. Women don't, I don't think women really think like that. There are some that do, but I don't think women are constantly, I want to fuck him, 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 I want to fuck him. Ooh, look at that, I want to fucking get up in that ass. Yeah, I'd love to fucking lick his balls. Yeah, I'd love to fucking, you know, eat his ass. Like, that's not, that's not how chicks, chicks, in my experience, they want to find a guy that they're extremely attracted to, that they enjoy being around, and they want to fuck his brains out as often as possible. They're not looking to fuck that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. They're just not. And so it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's kind of off-putting to me when a woman does do that shit. Obviously, it's not a great look if a guy is fucking a bunch of people either. Um, and it, it exposes a lot of things like that. So I'm not saying that it's necessarily not a red flag as it pertains to men. But I will say in a very old-fashioned and potentially sexist way, who cares? This is my fucking show. Um, there's a certain dynamic on that first date 
Um, it, half of it's societal and half of it's, half of it's biological. I think the man is supposed, and, and this is going to tie in later when I talk about uh, other aspects of a date, of the first date that we'll go into that are going to put it on the man. But in terms of the woman, again, this is just the number 10 here. This isn't the most biggest red flag. It's just on the list. It's the bottom of the list. The man is supposed to want it and the woman's supposed to want it on the first date. Obviously, hopefully you... you you're attracted to this person and want to take it things further, but it's kind of, I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of more on the woman to, to say no. And I, I think if a guy is on a date with a girl and he's really into it and he, he tries to, to hook up with her and tries to like take things further. And she's like, no, let's take it slow. Take it easy. I really like you, but you know, I don't want to move too fast. If the guy is had anywhere close to real intentions, it's going to make him like you more. It's going to make him like, like fucking really into you. I promise. I promise. If the guy was literally just out to fuck you, then yeah, he's going to ditch you once you don't put out. But hey, then you did yourself a favor by not fucking a douchebag. But... It's kind of, it's just this instinctive thing that's in us where it's like, damn, this is a real fucking woman. She knows what she wants. She respects herself. She's not just out here fucking any dude that buys her dinner. It's a good look. And uh, certainly a better look than the opposite. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Number 10 for guys. A little bit less controversial. Not that I'm biased or anything. We get into some heavier things with guys. But for now, being completely apolitical. A lot of you are probably sitting there thinking, what? Hear me out. Being overly political is a bad thing for either gender, for either sex. Because now they're different. But there's something about when a guy is just completely checked out of anything going on in the world around him, doesn't know anything about current events, doesn't know what the Ukraine, what's going on in Ukraine, has no idea about this thing over there, doesn't know the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. It's kind of, it's kind of just like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, what's the word? I'm, like, I'm trying to think of the best word to describe what it is. Maybe I would say cowardly. I'm not saying that you have to like pick a side and, and like be militant about it. Because again, that, then you're overly political and that's a problem too. But particularly with men, you should have opinions and stances on things. Like the same way I say that like any man should be able to hold a semi-reasonable conversation about politics and sports. You don't have to be particularly super in to either of them. I get into guys who are too into sports later too. But but as a man, you shouldn't be like, oh, um, oh, I watched the Super Bowl. I saw they hit a home run in the Super Bowl. And I know that's like an exaggeration, like a character, but even like, oh, Who's in the, who, 
Who's the quarterback for the Chiefs? What's it? Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I never heard it. Even that. It's like, dude, you should know the base level of shit. You the don't be a you you should know more than the average girl about fucking the NFL. You just should. Obviously, if a girl's really into the NFL, she can know more than you. But like, don't be a chick when it comes to sports. Don't not know anything. Don't not know what a fucking home run is. Don't not know what a free throw in basketball is. You know, like have some respect for yourself. And as it pertains to politics, it's just weak to me that you're just like, dude, I don't even pay attention. I have no idea what's going on. It's like, really? You don't care about taxes. You don't care about the fact that we were locked in our homes for two years during COVID and, and all these different things. And like, you didn't have an opinion about any of that shit. You just fucking just live your life and just fucking just take it as it comes to you put up with whatever it's like yeah there's an element that you could argue that that's just some more just kind of like uh kind of like uh awake awakened level of living just to not worry about stuff it's like yeah but so i get like not being worried about uh everything and stressing about every single little thing i'm not saying that either again there's a line you have to walk but it's equally um bad in my opinion to just not have an opinion about anything it's just that it's the path of least resistance. It's a cop-out. Like a man who stands for nothing falls for everything. You should have opinions about things. You should not necessarily constantly be outspoken about them, but you shouldn't be completely illiterate on the world around you. You should know what uh, inflation is. You should know about the economy and certain things like that. Like as a man, you should know these things. You shouldn't be walking around like a fucking 10 year old, just, you know, who plays video games and hangs out with his friends. Like he's, you know, like it's just grow up, know what's going on. That's all I'm asking. Know what is going on. And it's a red flag. If you don't, I think I, I if I were a woman, I would find that unattractive. I think women, it's different. I do. Women can kind of, like, they can be political, you know, just like with men when they're too political. When either sex is too political, it's a problem. But, you know, I think mostly for a man, it's like, it's just kind of a weak trait to just be oblivious to everything and not care about anything other than whatever the fuck stupid shit you're into. Um... Number uh, nine for women. This could be divisive. Bad relationship with her father. Bad relationship with her father. Every girl that I've had a successful relationship with, and this is anecdotal, of course, but every girl that I've had a successful relationship with has had a good relationship with her father and not necessarily that great of a relationship with her mother. That's just a common trend I've noticed. More specifically as it pertains to the father-daughter relationship, that is where she, in, this, like, in the same way that a boy, they say, is going to seek out traits in his future wife that resemble, you know, traits that his mom had, not necessarily physical traits, but just like 
how she was with him, like the way that she loved him. And that's like how you're going to seek out in a wife because that's how you've learned to interact with a woman. That's like your first and main female role model is your mother. Um, it goes the same way for, but then of course they, you know, and then your dad is the guy who teaches you how to be a man because that's your first and main male role model. So you learn those things from your, from your father. Likewise, it's the same for women. Um, a, a girl's father is going to be the primary influence in her life, hopefully to teach her about how you should be treated by a man. What a healthy relationship with a man is, the amount of tension of attention you should get, how you should be regarded, how you should be treated, everything. So when a girl doesn't have a good relationship with her father, it's it it it, it could potentially lead to issues because she has kind of a a bad taste in her mouth as it pertains to men, like from the jump. From the jump. She didn't get the love and attention from the primary man in her life from a young age. She doesn't have a good relationship with him now. And there is potential um, for that to bleed over into other relationships. Not saying that, again, it's a deal breaker because none of these are deal breakers. They're just red flags. Number nine for men, this is kind of a silly one. Uh, a single dude with a dog. I know people are sitting there like, what? No. A single dude with a dog. Just know, I'm not going to spend too much time, just know. Men don't have a maternal instinct. We don't feel the need to just take care of stuff. When a girl, you go into a girl's house, she's got plants and shit. Because women just, they want to take care, they enjoy taking care of things. They get they get a pleasure, they get a fulfillment out of nurturing something and watching it grow. So they, they get a bunch of plants and water them. And like, you go into a dude's house, he doesn't have a fucking plant unless somebody was dating a chick that left it there. You know, like, we don't have this, like, it's not something that occurs to us. It's just like, let me just get a palm tree and put it in the corner of my house. Like, we, we don't think like that. We just don't. That's not a man thing to do. Um... Likewise, in the way that a woman is like, I think I'm going to get a puppy. I think I'm going to get a cat. Like the, the classic, you know, single cat lady in her 50s. Like they want to take care of something. So they, they have their cats and stuff. That's a natural female thing to do. And so when you see a woman with a cat or a dog or a plant or a fucking whatever, you're watching them display normal female activity. When you see a guy with a dog, Cat is one thing because a cat is a less look at me, I have this cat type of pet. Like a cat's an inside pet. You have to go over the guy's house to see the cat. So that's, you, a guy can have a cat. Even that's a little on the edge unless he's got a girlfriend or whatever. A guy can have a cat. The dog, just know he got that dog to pick up chicks. He bought it as a puppy or he bought it as a rescue, and now he can take it to breweries, walk it down the street. Oh, he's so cute. What's his name? Every guy I've ever met who, who was a single guy who just magically one day decided to get a dog, he got a fucking dog to pick up chicks. That's why he has it. 
It's either that or he was in a relationship where they got a dog together and now they're broken up and now he's single with the dog. Those are the two options. There's no in between. No guy is sitting there. He's like, you know what I really could use right now? A puppy. Wouldn't that be so cute? Just to have like a little puppy while we're watching Sunday night football. Oh my God, it would be so cute. So cute. No, he's doing it to pick up chicks. It's a red flag. It's a red flag, ladies. Don't fall for it. Number eight for women. This is one that I, eh, no one agrees with me on this for some reason. No one agrees with me on this. Whatever. It's incontroversial, I think, but it's just nobody, nobody is feeling me on this one. If a girl is like too into bands and shit and like art, particular artists or anything, or just pop culture in general, I really don't like that. I really don't like like if a girl's like, oh my God, I, I want to, especially as it pertains to male artists, but I would say all around, I, I, as a musician myself, you know, it's kind of like, I've used the example in the past. It's like being a guy who play, who plays music for a living. It's weird if your girlfriend is like obsessed with like some other guy artist who's like your age or younger. And she's like, oh my God, I want to see this guy in concert so bad. And you're just sitting there like, damn, I, you know, I, I, I play music too. I didn't maybe... Do you want to hear me play something or? And the guys I've said this to that play music, they're like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know why you feel that way. And it's like, let's say you're a UFC fighter. Let's say you are in MMA doing training every day, doing everything you can to rise to the peak of the UFC, to become the ultimate fighter, go to the championship, pay-per-view, the whole nine. And you're dating a girl and her favorite fighter is Sean Strickland. Not you. You're not her favorite fighter. You want to fight. In fact, in an ideal world, you could get good enough and work your way up to that point where you could actually fight against Sean Strickland. And guess what? Your girlfriend's favorite fighter is him, not you. That's how I kind of feel when a girl's like super into like, oh, I love this band. Oh my God, I, I have to see him in concert. It's like, there's something like, Think about it. She loves what it, like, what is this? What is it? You're telling me that if, if she wasn't dating you and she had the opportunity to fuck that guy, she wouldn't? You're telling me that your girlfriend is obsessed with Harry Styles. And if she went to a Harry Styles concert and Harry Styles came up to her and was like, you're so beautiful. Like, oh my God, can I take you out? She wouldn't be sitting there thinking, why the fuck am I dating this asshole? I, I could be going out with Harry Styles. Like, this is a guy who she, like, uh, he, that's just one example, but like, this is a guy that she is so, like, she gets his on a spiritual level, like his music and his lyrics, like she has a connection with these things. And then on top of that, he's, probably attractive on some level and it's like okay so now we're talking about some dude because I don't like how I don't believe in that whole like oh celebrities are a different ball game no I'm not I don't look at life that way a person is a person you don't get to have a celebrity crush any more than you get to say you have a crush on that fucking bus boy all right I don't believe in that shit I don't play that I don't play that at all 
Celebrity is a person. A person is a person. So you have a person, another person on the planet who your girlfriend is really into, like really into his art, really into his lyrics, really into his music. And he's a good looking guy and she can't wait to go see him in concert. She's paying to fucking see him. That's a little bit of a red flag. To me, to me. Because also it would be kind of weird the other way around. What if I was obsessed with Dua Lipa? Oh my God, dude. Just something about her rules. Don't pick up the phone. Waking up in the morning. Don't come out. Don't go home. Oh my God. Fucking signed poster in my room. Oh my God. Your girlfriend would not... Put up with that shit for a fucking second. What the fuck is this sign poster this bitch doing in our room? No, I'm sorry. It's a red flag. Number uh, eight for men. This goes back to the parents thing. I actually put this higher on the male list than the female list. And that is single mom Boo! Hey, fuck you, dude! Hey! It's hard! Nope. A little bit of red flag. Again, not a deal breaker, obviously. Doesn't mean that you can't be a good dude, but it's a it's something to look out for. Because on the same level, I talked about a, a, a girl that doesn't have a relationship with her father or a bad relationship with her father. She didn't learn how to be treated by a man in a positive way. On the flip side, with men who don't have a father, they didn't learn necessarily, or it was harder and therefore less likely to achieve how to be a man from a male, a close male role. Maybe, maybe they were lucky and they had other male role, role models. Maybe they had a stepdad. That's another. That's a whole different thing. Stepdad, okay, as long as there's a male role model in your life, maybe an uncle, maybe whatever, older brother, something, but a guy needs that. A guy needs that, um, and, and it's one of the biggest determinants. You could go through statistics of, the, if you look at crime statistics, um, income later in life, education, everything. I mean, a, a, a two-parent household is one of the biggest determinants of success or lack thereof that you can possibly find of any individual circumstance for children. And let's be honest. Let's be frank here. Let's be frank. I, I feel like the overwhelming majority of single parents are mothers, right? I mean, I think I've met like one or, I think I've met one or two, I think three single fathers in my entire life. I can think of off the top of my head only three people that I've ever met who don't have a mother and just, who grew up without a mother, not like their mother died or something, but grew up without a mother and their father raised them because their mother just wasn't in the picture. That's super rare. I mean, biologically, it almost doesn't make sense. That's why it's rare. But so when you talk about single parent households and things like that, a guy who was raised by his mother, 
I found that they have less of an ability to control their emotions. They are a little bit more um, narcissistic because they get that constant nurturing attention that you get from a mother without ever getting the fucking disciplinary attention that, that you get from a father. Because a mother then has to be both, but at the same time, there's a weird kind of uh, catch twenty two because you don't want you don't want to make your kid not love you by being too hard on him. So they have to be mother and father, and I don't think it should be controversial to say that um, it, it, it's it's possible to be both mother and father, but probably no more easy for a woman to do it than it would be for me to be a mother and a father to my child. It's it's just obviously a better situation to have both. And uh, I think particularly in men, it's just something I've noticed. It's just something I've noticed that dudes that didn't grow up with a father just, there's something, there's something missing there. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Um, not that I don't know any dudes that grew up without a father. Again, I think that things like uh, the wrestling team and sports and, and strong influences in your life in school, those can help. Uh, but you're really starting your kid off on a bad foot when you put him in that situation to begin with. It's obviously something to be avoided. And uh, it's just something I've noticed that a lot of, uh, I, would, I should say a lot, not all, but a lot of guys I've met with single mothers and no father have exhibited those characteristics. Um, number seven for girls. Ooh. No friends slash ugly friends slash guy friends. Yeah. Yeah. No friends is one thing. That's obvious. Obviously, it's a bad look for anyone if you don't have friends. It's kind of like, damn. Guy friends is a cliche. Uh, guy friends, I don't believe in that. I'm sorry, I just don't believe, I don't, I don't understand that. I have maybe, I can, I think one friend that's a girl that I can say for certain there is absolutely no potential or thought at any point on any level of anything beyond friendship. That there is absolutely no sexual element not that we've had sex, not that we've hooked up, not that we've even talked about it, but a girlfriend that is 100% a platonic friend and there's absolutely not even, even the slightest inkling of anything beyond that. I think I can name one. And when I say an inkling of anything beyond that, it's like, okay, think about you and your guy friends. Is there any chance, I'll talk to guys that defend this and they'll be like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to fuck any of my female friends. It's like, would you? 
let's say, you know, a lot of times you'll be hanging, sometimes I'll be hanging out with, with my dude friends and we'll just be like alone all day together. And, and we'll be like sitting in a room like this, like a studio, just talking blah, blah, blah. And I'll have this weird intrusive thought where I'm like, damn, wouldn't it be weird? Like we could totally just like fuck right now. Like that's weird. I'm not gay, so I'm not going to do it. And I have no desire to do it. But it's like one of those thoughts like, wouldn't that be weird if we did? Like we totally could. But the possibility of it doesn't exist because we are not, there is not even the slightest bit of sexual energy that exists in my friendship with my guy friends. That is not really the case in most cases, with girlfriends and guy friends. It's just not. You talk to guys and be like, yeah, we never hooked up, I'm not gonna, but like, okay, so what, have you got, have you ever thought about it? Would you, could you ever see it happening? Like, what if you guys were like super drunk after, you know, the bars one night, she comes home, uh, everybody else leaves the post game, it's just you two, you guys are drunk, you're sitting on the couch, like, you, you accidentally start making out. There's no accident. Well, yeah, maybe I could, maybe I could start, maybe, I guess we could maybe accidentally make out. It's like, there's no accidentally making out between me and my friends, my guy friends. It's not going to have any level of drunkness that doesn't exist. At any level of drunkness, it doesn't exist for straight male friends. So even the fact that it's a potentiality with your girlfriend, your friend that's a girl, or if you're a girl, your friend that's a guy, that like usually what happens is one of those people would definitely fuck the other one of those people if given the chance. They just haven't, or there hasn't been an opportunity. That's the reality of most of these friendships. It's just the reality. One of those people or both of those people would fuck the other. It just hasn't happened. And maybe it's not a super strong, powerful urge. Maybe they don't even think about it. But on some level, the possibility exists and therefore it cannot be compared to a completely benign normal friendship. And that's, unfortunately, it just is a reality. It just is reality because honestly, I don't understand, like basically, if you have a, a, a girlfriend that you get along with in every way, but you just don't want to date her, you're kind of just calling her ugly, right? Because what is a, a romantic relationship? Ideally, a romantic relationship is someone that you can basically, that is basically your best friend who you're also, you know, sexually attracted to. Obviously, that element has to exist too. So if you find someone who is like your best friend or like a really good friend, but you have no interest in dating them, you're basically just saying like, yeah, I mean, She's just not hot. I wouldn't fuck her under any circumstances. And that's like, okay, just say that then. But, you know, so I, I don't know. The whole guy friend thing, it's like obviously gay guy friends. That's awesome. I love a good gay friend. Um, but most importantly of all, and this is something I don't think a lot of people think about because it sounds mean, but it is actually a thing. I have it written here as ugly friends. Now, I know that sounds mean. I know that sounds mean. What I really mean is um, if the girl you're dating has friends that are all significantly less conventionally attractive than her, I do see that as a red flag. I know that sounds shallow, 
But I'm also trying to approach it not from the standpoint of like a misogynistic whatever, but I'm actually trying to approach it from a psychological thing and kind of tying it into insecurity. I think there is a power dynamic, particularly among female social groups, where attractiveness is power. And when guys go out, you know, try to hit on chicks, there's a lot of different things at play. Obviously, you're a hot guy. You're going to get attention from girls, but but girls are a lot less shallow than guys. Girls, like a hot guy, being a hot guy can get you only so far. Um, as a former hot guy, I can attest to this. Um, I never got less play than when I was a dude that had like a six pack and like whatever. But I just, it wasn't that I was, I wasn't a douche. I was like the opposite. I was like, I was just a pussy. I didn't really know how to talk to girls. I didn't have game. I, I was I was goofy and I could make you laugh um, if you knew me. But when it was in a situation of like actually talking to a girl I was interested in, I just could not, I didn't know how to make a move. I just didn't have it. And, and that kind of made girls not take me seriously. And I, I don't think that quite applies to guys when they're looking at girls. I think, uh, I think a girl who, who's attractive, who's very attractive and has like no, no game. I don't think a girl needs game as much in order to get action. Let's say, I think a guy, if he meets like a super hot girl at the bar, he's so focused on trying to impress her, trying to make her laugh, trying to keep her interested that he's barely, he's not even thinking about, is she making me laugh? Is she like, you know, there's guys that be like, no, I care. It's like, yeah, obviously if that's a girl that you're trying to, to like date and marry, that's going to come into play. But as far as just like picking up chicks, it's not really a thing as much for guys as it is for girls. Girls, you need to bring something else to the table. So, so with girls, because of that dynamic, um, when a girl exclusively hangs out with, with other girls that are way less attractive than her, like notably less attractive, I think there's a certain level of insecurity there potentially, um, where she, she needs to be the hot chick of the group. Like when they go out, she kind of gets a lot of self-esteem, uh, a lot of self-assuredness from always being the girl that guys come up to. Like she, if she goes out with like three or four of her friends, she's, she's the obvious hot one of the group. And all the guys when they come up are always primarily trying to talk to her, primarily trying to hit on her. They might talk to her other friends just to kind of get in, but like it's an obvious dynamic. And I think that girls do sometimes subconsciously put themselves in positions to have that kind of power over their other friends. I genuinely believe that. It's something I've noticed. I know people aren't going to like that. I know it sounds misogynist. I know how it sounds. I know how it sounds. But, um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where like, if you ever hear a girl call another girl pretty, oh my God, she's so pretty. She'll generally say that about a girl who is less pretty than her. It, that, hey, it's just, it's just something, it's just to me that I know that there are, I know that there are cases that would disprove that. I'm talking about a general rule. When you hear a girl go, oh my God, she is so pretty. They're talking about a girl that doesn't threaten them. They're talking about a girl that they feel comfortable acknowledging her attractiveness because they don't feel like she's actually competing with her attractiveness. Um, you're not going to hear them talk about the girl who's like, fucking a standout hot chick at a bar they're not going to sit there and go oh my god look at this girl she's so hot no because they feel threatened by her and that's understandable i'm not trying to say anything beyond that i'm just saying that's kind of 
something I think we've all noticed. And so I think that that all kind of translates into what I'm talking about now. I mean, this is a hard point to make. It's probably the touchiest point to make. Um, but I'm just saying, you don't have to agree with me. Just keep an eye out. See if you can notice the same patterns I've noticed. Girls that tend to hang out with other girls that are exclusively in a far down lower league than them tend to have insecurity issues, tend to really thrive off of their own personal attractiveness, and that is why they've constantly, subconsciously or consciously, put themselves in positions to be the hottest one in the group. And I think that's a red flag. So, hey, you know what? I didn't say every one of these was correct, and I didn't say every one of these was going to be something you agree with, but I am saying keep an eye out. See if you notice anything. See if you notice when I noticed. Uh, back to guys. So I know people are probably mad right now. It seems like I'm really laying on the chicks. Um, guys. When a guy is too into sports, like as a fan, now I'm going to give a pass to gambling because that is a respect. I, I'm not even kidding when I say this. Being into sports as a gambler, I think is respectable. Obviously, not being a degenerate gambler, not losing your ass, not you know blowing money on random shit. That's obviously a problem. That's obviously a problem. I'm talking about guys who watch sports and casually throw bets on games. I said before in that Lost episode that um, every single person in professional sports approaches sports from a profit angle except for the fans. Fans are the only people who don't look at sports from a money basis. We look at it for pure enjoyment, which is fine as a guy if you're in middle school or high school. But once you get to the point, I remember, I, I, this really hit me one time. Uh, my uncle went to Calvert Hall. He played football and baseball at Calvert Hall. Bill White. He then went to the Citadel, recently passed away. He's the all-time batting average leader, like a standout athlete at the Citadel and Calvert Hall for baseball primarily. And uh, therefore, I always rooted for Calvert Hall in the Turkey Bowl. The Turkey Bowl is a classic um, high school rivalry between uh, two Baltimore schools, Calvert Hall and Loyola. Um, and so every Thanksgiving day they play, I think, at the Raven Stadium. And it's a big game on Thanksgiving day. And people root for Calvert Hall or Loyola. And I've always been a Calvert Hall guy. And so I remember I was talking to my friend Michael Beckman. We were in high school. We were juniors in high school or sophomores or something like that. And I said, uh, so who are you rooting for in the Calvert Hall game? Like, I, I think I got Calvert Hall. And he's like, Dude, who gives a fuck? You see all these fucking... We, I went to Towson High School, public school. You see all these girls walking around our fucking school wearing Calvert Hall sweatpants? These fucking dudes that you're talking about, they're fucking the same chicks that you could be fucking. They're playing us in sports. Why the fuck are you a fan of these dudes who are our age? Fuck those dudes. Fuck Calvert Hall and fuck Loyola. And when he said that to me, it like opened up a gateway where I realized, whoa, you're right. Why the fuck am I, as a 16-year-old growing boy, adolescent man, a fan of other dudes my own age? Why am I into that? Like, if I saw these guys at a party, they probably wouldn't even give me a fucking beer. They probably wouldn't even let me in unless I brought a bunch of chicks for them to potentially hook up with. So why the fuck am I giving a fuck if they win or lose? For real. It's kind of a child. I get it that guys my age 
are super into sports. And obviously, I root for the Ravens. Obviously, I root for the uh, Orioles. And obviously, I get a little upset. You know, upset. I get upset if a very disappointing loss. I was upset about the Ravens losing in the playoffs. I was upset about the Orioles losing in the playoffs. But I don't let it actually affect me on any major level. Like, I wake up the next morning and I just, I just feel like I took an L. You know, I don't cry about it. I'm not losing my mind until next season. Like, you know, I'm looking forward to next season. But like, I think that that's a, a grown up way of going about it. And I think that guys that are too into sports, um, just as a fan level, it's kind of, if I were a girl, I would see that as a turnoff. I would think that was a little bit of a turnoff that they're like super into sports. Again, unless it's for gambling, because at least with gambling, it's about money. Like, I obviously pay a lot of attention to sports, but because I want to make money, I look at it as like a business, you know? If Lamar Jackson's going to make money playing football, if uh, if fucking, you know, whoever else, I'm, I don't know why I can't name a single other professional athlete, you know, on the spot, but you get what I'm saying. If all these other people are going to make money and gain notoriety and advance themselves by playing sports, why shouldn't I? And that's my main motive for caring. Nothing else. I'm not going to get a fucking Lamar jersey. My rule for jerseys is you're not allowed to get a sports jersey of anyone that is less than five years older than you. I'm going to say five years older. So for me, the only way that I would get a jersey now is if it was a player like on his way out of the NFL. I can't imagine me getting like a fucking 22-year-old jersey as a 31-year-old man. It's just kind of cringe, you know? It's just kind of cringe. And and I feel like maybe girls don't really think about it as much, but I feel like there is on a certain level a kind of uh, inherent cuckliness that they sense when their boyfriend is super into all these other dudes and a super big fan. It just kind of seems, ugh. So I think that's a little bit of red flag. I think it bleeds into other things, you know? You got to have enough going on in your life outside of your job where you are more passionate about things in your own life than, you know, other shit other people are doing. I think that that's really the theme of what I'm getting at, um, which is a common theme, especially among men, I think. Um, back to girls being a feminist... If you're a self-declared feminist, I think it's going to pose issues in a relationship. You know, again, I, I, I am obviously an old-fashioned type of guy. I think anybody listening to this could tell that. Um, but I think that that is a proven way of advancing society. You know, I hate the idea that the female role is quote-unquote less than or submissive necessarily. The female role is very important in society, but what modern feminism has done is basically say that women have, the only way a woman can truly prove her worth is by doing the conventional male things, what men do. And what men do is, you know, go get a fucking job, do this, have a career, blah, blah, blah. And if you're a woman who just wants to have children and be a wife, be a mother, then you're selling yourself short. And in a way, I think that's kind of 
inherently sexist because what society is really saying is, oh, that thing that women have been doing for thousands and thousands of years, that thing that your mother did for you, it's actually doesn't matter. Anybody can do that. What, the only way you can really be important to society is by going and working for somebody else in a job you don't give a fuck about 40 hours a week and taking home bread while somebody else watches your kids and you pay them to do so. It's a trick that society has pulled on us. 1920s feminism, the right to vote, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's all fine. Okay, great. Sure. But, but feminism, in my opinion, stopped being relevant at least at least 20 years ago, at least 20 years ago. Right now, more co- more women graduate with college degrees. Women, I think, make... Uh, the wage gap is a, is a fucking myth. It, it, it is, it is. The wage gap is a fucking myth. Um, and, a, and, and a girl who, who self-proclaims herself as a feminist, I just think it's gonna lead to issues. I do. I think that the only way that works is if she's with a guy who is submissive and kind of just assumes the the okay whatever you say honey and and I think deep down I think deep down women don't want that. I don't I think deep down women kind of do want a guy to not be to not be like domineering and overbearing and controlling. But I think there is something in a woman's psyche when 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 a guy doesn't have his shit together and doesn't take control and does and she doesn't feel confident that he can handle a situation or that he's gonna lead the way. Like it kind of bleeds in everything. Like that whole thing, like, you know, asking your girl where she wants to eat. She doesn't want to pick where to eat. She wants you to pick where to eat. You know? When I see a guy in a car in the passenger seat while his girlfriend's driving, ugh. There's just certain things. There's certain things that just should be that way, you know? And I think guys prefer it that way and I think girls prefer it that way. And so when you meet one of those chicks, it's like, no, fuck that. I'm a fucking boss bitch, blah, 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 blah. It's like, if you're a person who who wants to strive for like a, you know, a regular fucking relationship and having children and stuff like that, you don't, it, it's, you don't want that. You don't want that. Maybe, I don't want that. Maybe some other guys, you know, with lower T might want that. I don't want that. Um, back to guys. This kind of falls into the sports thing, but a little bit more specific. Video games. Video games are for children. I hate to say it. I have a lot of very good friends that play video games a lot. Um, I play video games from time to time. I've dated girls for three years. They might have seen me play video games twice. I have an Xbox in my house. I have a Nintendo 64. If somebody comes over and it's late at night, oh, you want to see me in Mario Kart, blah, 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 something like that, Call of Duty, whatever, Fight Night, UFC shit, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But when I'm talking about guys who are sitting there for hours at a time on a day-to-day basis you know, with their fucking headphones on Call of Duty, like they're in fucking high school. It's not, like again, if you have three to four hours a day to just fuck off and play video games, you're not doing enough. You should not have three to four hours a day of 
to do nothing. You just shouldn't. If you're a person, my if you're a grown man and you have three to four hours a day to play video games, you are underachieving. You might be making good money. You might be doing whatever, but you could be doing more. And this is where it's going to get to, well, why do I need... Well, even so, okay, so let's say you do. Let's say you are, because this does not apply to most people. Most guys that are playing video games for you know, three to four hours a day, five hours a day are not necessarily killing it in every other facet of their life. But let's say you are. The point is, you could be killing it more. You could. You're at an age right now where you should be maximizing your potential. Or at least filling your free time with like a better activity. I find it very hard to believe that there are men out there that make a great living, find time to exercise, work out, eat healthy, all those other things, find time to give their girlfriend attention, their wife attention, pay attention to them, and still have five hours a day to play video games. You're a married man with children. You have a job. You also go to the gym. You spend hours a day with your wife. You spend hours a day with your children, and you still... In a 24-hour day where you probably need to sleep at least six to eight hours, find time to play video games for five hours. I'm not buying it. If you're playing video games like that to that level, you need to not do that. You need to not, men. It's for kids. I played video games when I was for three hours a day when I was a child. Okay? There's not enough hours in the fucking day right now for me to do all the things that I feel like I need to be doing in order to get anywhere close to a respectable situation at my age in my circumstances. And I feel like if you take an honest look at yourself, uh, you'd probably come to the same conclusion. I, I, I can't imagine there's many girls out there that just fantasize and dream about a guy who plays video games all fucking day. I, I I can't imagine it. Back to chicks. I know I said earlier that um, uh, it wasn't a red flag for women. That was my noted non-red flag for women if they start talking about marriage and children early on in the relationship. That's not a red flag. However, this is going to sound counterintuitive but this is something I've noticed with girls. There's a certain type of chick that is immediately head over heels posting about a dude the second they start talking. The second she meets a guy, that's all she talks about. It's all all pictures of him eating a fucking tuna sandwich in her Instagram story. My boo, blah, blah, blah. That is, that's a red fucking flag. When I see girls that are like that, it's an immediate turnoff. It really is. And I feel like we can all picture that chick. We all know that chick. It's not only is it embarrassing, but it just goes to show that you actually don't understand what a serious relationship is. Like you don't like you don't even have the self-awareness to understand that like, yeah, you met a person and you had a spark. Like you find them attractive and you enjoyed hanging out with them for the 
one week you've been hanging out with him. But this is not a situation to like identify to the world. Hey world, look at me. I met another guy and it's like a different guy every fucking month. When you meet a, if you're a guy and you meet a girl and she's immediately like, oh my God, we're so cute together. Oh my God. Like it's one, like there's two ways to go about it. That's a childish way of doing it. I guess is what I'm saying. Like there's an adult way to progress a relationship, a mature adult way, which is like, hey, we're both grown adults here. Um, you know, we're dating and that's all well and good. And I like you and I enjoy hanging out with you and I find you attractive and all those things that are necessary in a healthy relationship. However, you know, what are your, what's your, what are your goals? Do you, again, do you want children? How are we going to raise the kids? Blah, 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 blah. That's an adult way of going about it. A childish way of going about it is, oh my God, look at my boyfriend. Isn't he so cute? Oh my God. I've never felt like this about anyone except for that guy last month who I felt like this about. It's, it's a bad look and it's something that you will notice. You will see. And in my older age, it's an immediate turn off. It is such a red flag. Those chicks are so fucking flighty. They're head over heels. And the, the thing is, they rely so heavily on that kind of like puppy love thing. And there's no substance beyond it. And so the second the relationship actually becomes real, it's over. Anyone can be a cool, fun person in the beginning of a relationship. In the beginning of a relationship, the person that you bring on the first date the person that you are on your first date or like the first couple weeks hanging out is not even just the best version of yourself. It's the ideal version of yourself that you have in your head. In a lot of ways, it's not even just the best you. It's just ideal you. It's not even the you you are. It's just the you you, you want to be or the you that you think they want you to be. And in puppy love, whenever you haven't had an argument yet, you haven't had a disagreement, you haven't had any type of experiences together to actually justify saying, this is my fucking girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. Like we know each other. We love each other. Like you're not in any, you're not in any position to say something like that or to feel something like that. And if you think you are, then you don't actually understand what a relationship is. And I, I know that I'm saying this specific to girls, but I'm saying that only because you don't really see that as much with guys. It happens. I think she's the one, bro. I really do. But it's it's less, I, I think it's just kind of like less noticeable. Like I see way less guys like being like blatant about it on social media for a girl they just met. Because I think guys are constantly worried about not seeming too pressed and, and keeping it cool. Like, yeah, that's cool. Because because the moment a guy seems desperate or like too into you, a girl that can turn a girl off. So I think even if a guy is that into you, he's kind of like trained to act like it's whatever. Like yeah, I like you, but like you know, like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna fucking trip over it, you know, whatever. Even though they are totally tripping over it, I think that's just a guy culture thing. But with girls, I I think it's just something I see more, and it's it's definitely a red flag. Um, back to dudes, ladies. Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I am. You do not want your boyfriend to be more liberal than you. Even if you are liberal, and even if your boyfriend is liberal, the natural male-female dynamic should be that the guy, even if you're, like I said, even if you're both liberals, 
The guy should be a little less liberal than you. It should be the woman who's more sensitive and things like that because it just kind of seems weird the other way around. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time like imagining a successful relationship between like a down home country chick who shoots guns and goes fishing and like grew up and her dad hunts and stuff and she's dating like a fucking, uh, you know, poli sci major at Harvard. It's like, well, actually, if you, well, you know, you have to consider the displacement of these peoples. What? I can't imagine like being into that if you're that chick. Like you kind of, that chick wants a guy who's like even more of a country boy, I feel like. I just feel like that's a thing, right? There's always like that classic archetype of like the city girl and like the the rugged blue collar guy who she falls in love with. I don't really feel like that goes the other way as much, right? I don't really feel like it's like the city boy who's like, oh, I just got splashed by a car passing by. And the fucking chick's like chewing dip spit. Ting, ting. Let me show you how to string a trout line. Is that hot? Oh, thank you. I'm just so delicate. I've never, I've never been out in the woods before. I can't believe you're showing me this. That's your boyfriend? You want a liberal? You want a woke? A boyfriend who's woker than you? Well, let's, 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 before we go any, let, let's, let's examine the situation. Let's consider. It's weak. It's weak as fuck. I've always considered, and look, mom, dad, they're both as important, but they both play obvious roles in your life. And I consider conservatives and liberals like the mothers and fathers of society. The conservatives are like the dads who are like, get your fucking shit together. I don't want to hear excuses. Make it fucking happen. I'm not going to fucking pay your way and all this bullshit. Like pull yourself up by your bootstraps fucking, you know, clean your room, that type of thing. And the liberal's like, but, you know, let's just, honey, stop, stop. Listen, you're hurting his feelings. You're hurting his feelings. Look, okay, look, look, what, how do you feel? Do you feel like maybe if, 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 if daddy would loosen up a little bit on you, you could feel better? That's, that's kind of how I see conservatives and liberals. And you need both. You can't have all, fuck you, get your shit together. But you also can't have all, Okay, it's whatever. Okay, you know what? If you want to stay up later, then stay up later. You can't have all of either one of those. You need both. But in a relationship, I feel like, you know, as I just described, the conservative mindset to be more of a paternalistic mindset and the liberal mindset to be of a maternalistic mindset, I feel like in the dynamics of a relationship, you would want probably for the guy to have a little bit more of that mindset than you. Just by comparison, you know, if you're a super liberal chick, you might want to date a guy who's like one notch less liberal than you. And he'd still be considered super liberal compared to some other chick who's a conservative chick who's dating a guy who's a little bit more conservative than her. So it doesn't mean that chicks necessarily need to be dating conservative dudes. No, not at all. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that chicks probably would prefer, whether they know it or not, to date a guy who's a little bit less woke than them by comparison. So if you're like a 
Black Lives Matter, link in the bio chick, free Palestine chick. Maybe your boyfriend's just like a, um, you know, hey, I don't think Biden's so bad guy. Maybe he's not, you know, uh, doing all, posting the black squares and stuff, but he's just like a liberal, you know, something like that. That's all I'm saying. Um, back to dudes, doodly woodlies. I mean, sorry, girls, girls. Um, wants you to change controlling. I think uh, controlling is one thing. Guys and girls are both controlling, but I think the wanting you to change thing, um, wanting you to be a different person is, hey, look, I'm fully forthcoming in that this could be biased. I've only ever been a dude and I've only ever dated women. So my experience has been seeing these things from their perspective. I have made a valiant effort to consider how girls might see dudes in a certain way and certain things that they might notice but i can't speak to that from personal experience with that i'm just kind of speaking to things that i've noticed in other dudes that i imagine are probably not attractive or good things and also things that have caused really caused problems in my own relationships um but as it pertains to girls it seems to be a little bit more of a thing that a lot of guys talk about um where it kind of feels like Every discussion you have is a discussion that she brings up periodically about things that you need to do better. I'm not convinced that if there was some way to take a a survey or some type of like actual statistical graph of what is the percentage of times when a guy says to his girlfriend, hey, we need... we." You know, I've just been thinking really soon, like, you know, it doesn't feel like you really pay enough attention to me. And and sometimes when you make these jokes, like, I don't really find them funny. And, you know, like, I, I do these things for you and I feel like you don't, like, you don't ever do anything that makes me feel like special. And like, sometimes when you do this and hang out with your friends, blah, blah, I don't, I feel like that's, that's got to be more of a girl thing, right? To do that. I mean, guys talk about it all the time. They, uh, uh, three and a half billion men can't be wrong. Like, that's definitely our experience, right? Now, now in a relationship, what happens is guys also have a list of things that they wish their girlfriend did better. But that comes out in, in blasts. Like, my experience with a relationship has been always being aware that I'm not doing enough or I'm not living up to 100% of what my girlfriend would like out of me. And that's a constant thing. It's a constant looming feeling. I also would have things in my mind that I wished were different on her end, but that would only come out when she addressed her issues with me. So I would meet her issues with me with my issues with her. But outside of that, if we were getting along... I was just happy to be getting along. I wasn't going to, if we were having a good day and everything was going fine, I was never going to be the one to put the kibosh on that and bring up some things I've been thinking about. Because I just naturally assumed that any problems that I was having were just an indirect result of problems that she was having with me. 
So I almost didn't even deserve to have problems of my own. Um, and that's just me being honest. And I feel like there's probably a lot of guys who can relate to that. You know, girls are there. I think they're in general, better communicators. Um, they are more intuitive than us men. They're more emotional than us men. They're more in touch with their emotions. Let's say, I think for men, it's kind of a foreign feeling to actually truly embrace your emotions. We're kind of trained to not pay much attention to how we feel. We're more pragmatic beings. We're just like, you know, who cares how you feel about this? It needs to get done. Or this is how it, you know, like, oh, you're not happy. Well, that she's a good person and that's all that matters. So you need to stick it out and fix it, whatever's wrong, but you don't get to sit here and be sad about the fact that you're not happy because that's not a solution. Um, and that comes out all the time. That's why guys and girls get in arguments. It's like the main couple's fight of all time is the classic trope of the girl who tells her boyfriend about a problem she had like at work or her day or something and the guy immediately starts rattling off solutions and that makes women mad because they're like I don't want you to solve it for me I don't want you to tell me what I need to do I just want you to let me express how I feel about it and that causes arguments all the time in relationships because that's literally not really how men's brains work it really isn't. It's not how we're raised. It's not really in our DNA. It's not really evolutionarily uh, beneficial for men to hinder themselves with their emotions. You know, you're in a fucking territorial war. You're in a fucking tribe 10,000 years ago or even a war now you don't and and the fucking people are coming in trying to fucking take over your land uh enslave your children rape your wives and kill you you don't really have time to think about how you feel about it in fact it would probably be the worst thing to do instead just fucking pick up your goddamn spear or your gun or whatever and kill these motherfuckers before they kill you that's the solution oh genghis khan's coming into our village to kill me and fuck my wife. How do I feel about that? Well, have you let's take a let's take an introspective look into our moat. No! Fucking get your spear together, do some fucking push-ups, and take that motherfucker out before he takes you out. You're hunting a fucking walrus. That can't be too hard. You're hunting a fucking buffalo. He's so cute. I don't want to hurt him. No, kill that motherfucker. You got to eat. It's just not part of male culture uh, to, to wear our emotions on our sleeves and that bleeds into how we communicate in relationships. We don't really allow ourselves to feel. We just bottle it up and then it all comes out in a moment where there's no other way out. So when I say the girl who's constantly on your case about things you need to do better, that's a result of you both may have those feelings, but it tends to be women more often than men that are constantly laying that on the table. And in a relationship, you kind of have to take inventory on yourself and assess 
the things that you do need to improve about yourself and also the things that though she may not like them about you are things that make you you. They're not necessarily bad things. It's easy when you're in an unhealthy relationship, and in fact, this is probably the definition of an unhealthy relationship, to feel as if all the things about you that your partner doesn't like must actually be bad things. So when that person is constantly expressing that they don't like this, that, or the third about you, it makes you feel like, wow, I must be a really shitty person that she has all these things that she's not happy about as it pertains to me. When in reality, maybe a portion of that are actually flaws, but another portion of that might just be things that are not flaws at all. It's just you and they're not completely in love with that part of you. And, and when you get down to the point where you you obviously grow as a person, that's kind of a part of a relationship is growing, learning how to be a better partner or whatever. But once it gets to the point where you feel like you, you're not allowed to be you anymore, like you're actually changing a fundamental part of yourself that you actually like, it, it, that it needs, it's over. It's over. Once you start to feel like you're trapped That's that there's no there's no bridging that gap. So if you're in a relationship, I know I started this as a red flag for women, again, because I think it's more prevalent with them being outspoken about being displeased with you. Um The second you start to feel like the, the the issues that they have with you are things that you've never once considered or no one else has ever said to you are bad things and, and you honestly are looking at yourself and going, I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is just something that you don't prefer about me. That's a red flag and, and I think that uh, it almost always will lead to an eventual breakup. It almost always will. That's a big red flag. If they're not happy with you as a person, as a whole, if they are in love with a part of you but not all of you, you're either going to spend the rest of your lives half happy or it's going to end. But regardless, that's a major red flag. Um, Back to dudes can't commit. I'll try to make this quick. It's pretty obvious. I think this is like one of the main things girls talk about with guys. Um... Guys have, I didn't, okay, I'll say this. This is a red flag that I actually had, that I've been told I had, and I know for a fact that I had. So this is actually me being very transparent here, very forthcoming, very honest. Um, when I was younger, my first girlfriend, I couldn't wait to be her boyfriend, and I, I was 22 when I had my first real girlfriend. I'm not going to count the girl that we agreed that we were dating and then we dated for like two weeks 
when I was like 19 and we never even had sex or anything or whatever, but like we had been talking for like years and years. And then finally, you know, after years of me never being able to make a move or whatever, um, I'm not going to count that. I'm also not going to count the girl that we agreed that we were dating when I was like a freshman in high school and that nothing ever happened there. So my first real girlfriend, I, I remember any girl I liked, like if we were talking and she was showing interest, I was like, all right, cool. So like we should like date and stuff. And they were like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm ready for a relationship. And I used to say, if, if she's not ready for a relationship, it doesn't mean she's not ready for a relationship. She's just not ready for a relationship with you. And I still agree with that in many ways. You know, I always said like, look, if the, I always used to say, if, if the perfect person comes along at any point in your life, do I really expect that someone's going to be like, yeah, but no, because I'm just not personally ready for a relationship. Well, I'm here to tell you now, after being in and out of, of a couple at this point, that is possible. That is a thing. Uh, I still think that most people, when they say that, are capping like shit, and they just don't like you enough. They might like you, but they don't like you enough. But I can personally attest to just simply psychologically not being able to get into another relationship, and it happened only after I had my heart broken. And I think that that is a thing. I think that that is what causes commitment issues for guys. I really do. Um, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal to date someone before I had dated someone. You know, my parents were high school sweethearts. They've never dated anyone else other than each other. They're married. They're still married. And that was kind of my interpretation of how it works. That's what I grew up around. That's what I saw. I saw them fight a lot. I saw them talk about getting divorced. You know, everybody's parents are probably, you've heard them argue and stuff, but you know, they're together and they're happy. And that was my interpretation of things. Um, so I just kind of assumed that that's how it works. And so I didn't really see the big deal. It's like, okay, like you like me, I like you. We're going to start dating and, and that's it. We'll get married. Whatever. Quit making it such a big deal. We're just getting married and spending the rest of our lives together. What the fuck is this big fucking hassle? Um, once I was in a relationship, I finally was able to convince my first girlfriend, like, come on, quit being fucking blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, all right, cool. We dated for three and a half years. We lived together the whole nine. We broke up. And that shattered my fucking world. It really did. It was the deepest hit. Um, I think it was probably the hardest blow I ever got because it was the first time that that had happened. I had no context or no experience to know how it was going to feel. I'd never imagined that I would feel it, um, have to go through that. Because um, again, I was just used to just seeing things work. And I think another difference there was she grew up with divorced parents. So she saw things like that. She, she, she saw love die. I never really saw love die. I never really considered it. I figured no matter what issues we were having in our relationship, we were going to work through it. And I was wrong. And that blow, um, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before about how men and women deal with emotion differently. They say that men and women are hit equally hard by a breakup in the very beginning. 
but women generally recover much faster than men. And the reason for that is because women allow themselves, like I was saying earlier, to experience the full depth of the emotions of a breakup. They allow themselves to cry and vent and just be sad for a week and not leave the house and just watch movies and look through old things and just completely, and they just let it out. They let it out all at once because they're in touch with their emotions. They're not afraid of their emotions. They're not afraid of being sad. They're not afraid of that. They're actually putting themselves often in positions to be sad, to to put a sad song on to make themselves cry because they just, they exist, they want to exist in that emotion. That's how they process it. And because of that, they heal faster. Men, again, don't allow that of ourselves, typically. We try to avoid the subject. We try to hang out with our friends and act like nothing happened. You know, go out and drink. Start thinking about, oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm single again. That could be kind of cool. Like we just, we just lie to ourselves. You know, obviously we cry and we, we get are hurt by it too, but we, we kind of try to like, like the crying part is like an inconvenience that we kind of want to get past. We're like, okay, okay. I can't avoid it. Okay. I'm going to cry here, blah, blah, blah. But then you, you get over it as fast as you can. As soon as you feel like you can stop crying, you stop crying, you move on. And because of that, we kind of let it out in these little spits, like here, a little here, a little here. And the process of letting it out takes much longer. And because of that, a lot of men, there's a lot of men walking around that have had their heart broken that have never fully healed and they're not really in a position to give someone else the power to break it again. And I'm being very generous to men. I'm talking about real respectable men that have commitment issues. I'm not, I'm not talking about, I sound like Andrew Tate. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about guys who just want to, stay single and fuck chicks and don't want to commit to anyone. That's a different thing. And if you're a self-respecting woman with any head on her shoulders at all, you should be able to suss out the difference between just a fucking douchebag guy who just doesn't want to be tied down or a guy who is actually just not psychologically or emotionally able or too vulnerable to get in another relationship. And that's why with women, a major thing you have to suss out is, is he over his previous relationship? That's a major thing. I think most, I think for the first time ever, women would agree with me on that one. So, but nonetheless, whether it's coming from a good place or a sad place or an understandable place or a bad place, it's a red flag and it's something to look out for. Because if you find yourself getting involved with a person, with a man as a woman, if you find yourself getting involved with a man who is not fully healed and because of that is having trouble committing, it's not insurmountable, but it, it's going to cause major issues. It is. Um, Going back to the chicks, because you know I don't want to spend too much time hating on my boys, bros before hoes. A girl who considers herself a freak. Instant no. Instant no. I I don't want to... I think that there's a respectable... Like, I, I, don't, I don't like 
the whole kink culture that we have now. I believe in kink shaming. Some stuff should be weird. I'm going to go back on my misogynist pedestal here and say, look, a natural sexual dynamic between a man and a woman is dominant and submissive. I think it's weird otherwise. If you're a guy who likes to get pegged, I'm sorry, I think you're gay. I think it's gay. I've gotten in arguments with this my entire life with people. How is it gay? You're literally doing it with a woman. The definition of gay is homosexual, same sex. You're, you're, if you're getting pegged by a woman, if a woman is fucking you up the ass with the strap on, you're engaging in sexual activity with a woman. That's not gay. By definition, it's not gay. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it gay to jerk off to gay porn? Do you think that someone would consider that gay? Now, by your definition, the fact that, sure, I might be jerking off to gay porn. I might be fantasizing about gay sex. I might be enjoying the prospect or in the case of getting pegged, the act of getting fucked up the ass by a dick-shaped strap-on. But as but I'm not when I'm if I'm jerking off to gay porn, I'm not engaging in sexual activity with another man. So it inherently is not gay. Uh yeah, it is. Because there's a mental aspect to it. Does watching child pornography not make you a pedophile? Do you see what my point is? My point is you're engaging, you're, you're entertaining, the mere entertain. you're enjoying sex from the perspective of this angle. Like you're jerking off to gay porn, you're, you're enjoying sex from the gay standpoint. You might not be fucking a dude, but you're fantasizing about fucking a dude, and that's gay. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but if you want to watch two dudes fuck or you want to picture yourself being fucked or fucking another dude, I think it'd be pretty hard to press to argue that that's not fucking gay. Again, nothing wrong with it. So since there's nothing wrong with it, why not just call it what it is? Gay. Likewise for females. There's a difference between dominant and uh, demeaning. When a man looks at a woman who he finds attractive and he's undressing her with his eyes and picturing what it might be like to have sex with this woman, he's imagining, oh man, I wonder what she looks like on her back and I'm on top of her. Oh man, I would love to bend that over. I'd like to fucking hit that from the back. Oh man, I wonder how she fucking sucks my dick or something like that. I know I'm getting vulgar here, but I'm just, I'm being honest. Okay. Did I, did I fucking, do I fucking record two hours a day to fucking lie? I'm a fucking jury. I'm a juror. May I remind you, I am under oath. Okay. I'm speaking the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's how men picture fucking a woman. And when a girl looks at a guy, I have to imagine that that's that same situation in reverse. 
She sees his arms. Oh, I feel like he could fucking hold me down or like choke me while he fucks me. Oh man, I bet I would love him to just fucking, fucking bend me over and just take me. Like they want to be, you want to be dom. Does a girl fucking look at a, like that's, that's healthy sexual uh, dynamic there. That's a health, that's what it, that's what it is. I didn't make it that way. Don't blame me. I'm not fucking God. I didn't go, hey, guys, you have the dick. You're the ones that are bigger. And, uh, you know, you fucking get behind him and, and fuck him. And, and I didn't make that up. You're sitting here getting all fucking mad. And I'm just telling you what the fuck is the truth. I'm telling you how the fuck it is. Okay? So, yeah, a woman, a healthy woman wants to be sometimes dominated. She wants to have her fucking head stuffed in the fucking pillow. But there's a difference between, again, being dominated and being demeaned, humiliated. That's a psychological issue. Likewise for men. If you fantasize about fucking slapping a bitch like they have in those pornos where like you fucking face fuck a girl until she throws up and she's crying and mascara's running down her fucking face, you're you're fucked up in the head somehow. The fact that that's how you get off, the fact that that's what turns you on is completely demeaning and abusing another person for your own sexual pleasure. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but I will say it's definitely not a fucking good thing. So what does that make it? Likewise, if you are a chick and you fantasize about somebody spitting in your fucking mouth, Slapping you around, treating you like a piece of shit, abusing you. There's something, there's a screw loose. There's a screw loose. There's something fucked up going on. That that's how you get off. You can tell a lot about a person by their sexual perversions. It's not two completely separate entities of life you are not a different person in your sexual life than you are from your real life that's just not the case it's just not the case again not to bring it back to the topic of uh pedophilia or whatever but oh well that's just my sexual preference that doesn't i i okay i like watching that stuff and engaging in it but outside of that i'm just a regular dude i'm not a pedophile yeah you are you don't get to live two separate lives. If that's what turns you on, that's how you get off. That bleeds into every other aspect of your fucking character. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you tell me anything else. And if your identity as a chick is that you're a fucking freak, then you're right. You are a fucking freak. And I'm not interested because that's a red flag. Back to dudes. Girls, you're not going to like hearing this one, but it's a true red flag for dudes. And you guys fall for it so easy. Oh my God, do you ever fall for it? Guys who dress too nice. Guys who are overly stylish. Guys who have, guys who are tatted up. Guys who have piercings, especially. That's a fucking red flag. A guy who cares that much about how he looks a guy who cares that much about when he goes out to be wearing the perfect fit 
He's doing it to get pussy. He is. First of all, anybody can get tattoos. It requires zero effort. No tats are the new tats. It's literally edgier as a man to not have tattoos because guys with tattoos have been getting away with stolen valor of badassery for far too long. Do you know how hard it is to get jacked in the gym? You have to work every day, lift weights, actually be strong, actually be physically imposing. Dedicate your life to something, your diet, your habits, your lifestyle. Do you know how hard it is to go get a fucking tattoo? How hard is it to make $500? How hard is it to make $100? That's how hard it is to get a fucking tattoo. It says absolutely nothing about you. And if tattoos are part of your identity, get a new identity. I'm not saying don't have tattoos, but it's not a personality trait. Piercings, I don't even, I don't even, piercings on a guy, I'm sorry. Immediate, immediate suspected douche. I'm talking about something as subtle as a fucking earring. If you're a dude and you're not gay, I don't care what ear it's on. If you have an earring, I suspect you to be at least a little bit of a douche. I just do. Nose ring, lip ring, dick ring. Are you serious? You expect me to think you're not a fucking douche? Maybe you're not a douche. But you can't blame me for thinking you might be. I don't know how girls fall for that. How do you not know that, ladies? Guy walks in with all designer jeans and things like that. You think he's you think he's interested in a committed relationship? I, I mean, okay, if he's wearing like a fucking three-piece suit and he like works at a nice job and he has like nice taste in suits, that's one thing. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about guys who have like cool fucking perfect expensive shirts and designer shit and all that stuff. It's like, that's not, I don't, there's something inherently like just wrong about it. It's wrong for a man to care that much about his appearance. It usually means he's compensating for something. And it also usually means that he is uh, peacocking. So be on the lookout. If you find yourself at a bar and there's one guy in a t-shirt and jeans, maybe he's wearing a name tag on his shirt that says Jur and headphones for some reason. <laughs> and then there's another guy wearing a fucking V-neck suede Gucci shirt and a handbag and a nose ring and tatted up on his whole left arm. I think the choice is clear. Red flag. Back to the ladies. Ladies night. Red flag for you. Betches. Sexy Instagram. What I mean by sexy Instagram, you can have a hot picture on your Instagram. But it's got to be tasteful. If you happen to be caught in a moment where you're hot or you take a selfie, girls get, girls get a lot more leeway with this than men. A man should never take a selfie. I don't fucking care. I, under no circumstances should a man take a selfie, shirtless, shirt on. I don't give a fuck. It's just wrong. 
A man's pictures should be all candid or like somebody else took it, you pose with your friends and you look handsome in it and you post it. Anything else is, is cringe. It's just cringe. Girls, you can, you can feel yourself a little bit more. Girls are allowed to feel themselves a little bit more on social media and they get a pass. You can take some selfies. Everybody wants to see a selfie. But it should be face forward. The second you start, the second you see a girl with an Instagram where her, her page is primarily her ass or her tits or like her in bikinis almost exclusively, half naked, major insecurity issues, major uh, self-worth coming from her attractiveness, major needs the validation of attention, needs attention for validation. I'm telling you, guys, it's a trap. It's a trap. Do not fall for it. It's like a fucking lure in the water. Girls who put that out there as their first foot forward, it's usually because they don't have much else to offer. Same goes with guys. But in particular, I think we all, it's a little bit more common on the female side of things. To just have constant story updates with their, their ass in the mirror and stuff. It's it's just it's a bad I know I, I'm a guy, I get it. It's hard not it's hard not to hit them with a fire emoji or a double tap or a stupid fucking, you know. You don't ever want to cold call a DM. You don't ever want to just go in <laughs> just no context, just DM them. You gotta you gotta wait for the perfect story so you have a reply as an excuse to get in the DMs. I get it. I'm a guy, okay? I'm a fucking guy. But, you know, leave it at that. Assess what your goals are, and if your goals are girlfriend material, you're, you might be looking in the wrong place. I know guys are going to hate to say that, uh, hear this, but the your future wife's Instagram Uh, maybe has one bikini picture on it. Back to the dudes. We're at number two, I think. I don't fucking know. Who knows? I'm not even keeping count at this point. Who cares? I'm just listing out <laughs> shit <laughs> that I fucking can't stand. Um, dudes, this is no friends for dudes. That's a big one for dudes. No friends for chicks. You might just be dealing with a nerd. That's why I put it lower down on the thing. You might just be dealing with a nerd. Maybe she was a weird girl in high school. A lot of times the weird girl in high school isn't necessarily that weird. She just kind of like didn't fit in, whatever. Like maybe she's just kind of like a nerdy little girl, whatever. Guys with no friends, that's kind of scary. A guy with no friends is like a legitimate threat. Like there's no, like guys, we're like made to network. That's kind of like our, like our job, like, I keep on taking it back to like evolutionary times and stuff, but I mean, it, it's relevant. We're talking about men and women. We're talking about biological shit here. I would be remiss to not reference biological reality in a biological conversation. You know, it's not all fucking Instagram and YouTube here. This is real life. This is nature. Women are biologically oriented towards inner circle more. They're much more intuitive. They're nurturing inner circle, families, gathering. 
men, hunters, networking with other tribes, working with other men that have no other benefit to you. They're, they're not other than that you're working together. There's a networking aspect. Men are geared towards, we have to be able to work together. Even if we fucking hate each other, we have to be able to work together because it's a bigger fucking job at hand. So friendships among men, if you don't have them, it's kind of like a much bigger, uh, much bigger red flag. Cause it's like, dude, you don't, you don't possess one of the primary skills of what it takes to be a full, well-rounded man, which is the ability to get along with other men. And, and it, there's nobody in your life that thinks you're a decent enough person to fucking spend time with you on any level or have any type of relationship with you. I know this is going to sound mean. I feel bad for people with no friends and I try to be their friends. Um, but I mean, it's definitely like fucking like school shooter energy a little bit, right? It's definitely like, damn, I don't know. This one seems mean. I feel mean saying this. I know I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I, I'm at number two on the red flags. This one seems pretty big to me. Like if you meet a guy and he doesn't have like any fucking friends, he doesn't have any close friends even. Let's not even say friends, friend, but like close friends. Like maybe he has like drinking buddies and guys that he has like superficial relationships with. But like I'm talking about like real friends where he's like completely himself, like they're close. Uh, that's not a full person. That's not a full person. Run. Um, Back to women. Number one. Number one. Trick number one. Insecurity and competitiveness with other women. It'll never work, boys. It'll never work. When a girl's first reaction when she sees another girl is, fuck that bitch. That's just a certain type of chick. And I'm telling you, run for the hills. You will never have a moment of peace. Because this, this one encapsulates all the other things I've been talking about on the female side. From uh, the friendships to the wanting you to change to the uh, you know jealousy and things like that. This is all lumped into one thing. Insecurity. And that is the biggest issue. It's a big issue for men too. So I, maybe I'm wrong for including this on the female side as opposed to both. But the, I guess maybe more so specifically for the female side, it's that kind of like cattiness. When you meet girls that are like catty towards other girls, like like uh, certain girls, are their default demeanor towards a girl that they don't know or have a relationship with is fuck off. Like you're not in my circle, I don't care. That's certain. That's a certain type of girl. It's not all girls. This is why we're talking about red flags here. I'm not. This isn't a list of things that all women do. This is a list of things that some women do that is a problem. And this is one of those things. And it's easy to suss out. If you find yourself having a conversation with your girlfriend, and whenever it is in regards to another female, it's almost always negative. If you find yourself talking about another female to your girlfriend. 
Maybe it's a mutual friend, a mutual coworker, a family member, regardless. If you notice that it's almost always negative, like she rarely ever has anything positive to say about any female in your universe, it's a problem. It's not normal. It's not okay. And it's going to cause problems. And I think that's the biggest issue. I really do. Um, now for men, I'm going to take a fun one here. I'm going to cap this off. This is number one for men. Um, I'm going to make it fun, but it's not fun because it's the easiest, deadest. Ladies, I'm going to make this easy for you. Forget everything I just said about everything. You can avoid 90% of bad relationships by sticking to this one simple trick. If you go out on a first date with a guy and he does not offer and successfully pay for the entirety of the date. If he tries to split it or he allows you to split it casually, if you want to really push back and like insist that you split, okay, fine. But the common theme, the common like uh, interaction when it comes to that is on a first date, how I believe it should be is the man should pay, the woman should offer. The man should pay, the woman should offer. It's a red flag if a girl goes on a date and doesn't offer. At least pretend like you would pay. Thumb through your pocketbook, do the little act. Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. Be like, you should never expect to be treated. That goes for anything in life. That's just a general rule. But a man who splits it with you, who allows you to split it with him, I'm telling you, it's not good. It says a lot more than you think it does. Like I said before, the first date is not just the best version of yourself. It's demonstrating who you would like to be. You are being the person that you want to be on a first date. As a man, we're demonstrating, we have a lot to demonstrate on a first date. Namely, I'm not a psycho killer. I'm not going to fucking kill you. I'm not a threat. That's step one. Step two is, I'm not boring. I have a personality. I'm interesting. I'm funny. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Step three is, I understand the dynamic and I can and am willing to provide and I want to make you feel like this is important to me. That I'm, this isn't just, I'm not just taking a random chick out to try to fuck her later. Like, I really enjoy this and I want to treat you to this. I'm so appreciative for your time um, and company that you gave me a chance to convince you that I'm worth your time. And with all that in mind, a guy still cares more about half the check than demonstrating all those things to you on the first time you meet. It says a lot. I've, had a, I've been saying for a long time that cheapness is the ugliest quality. 
it might be the ugliest quality because when you have those friends that like are petty about like small amounts of money, like five, 10 bucks, you go out to the bar, you get three beers, they get two and a half beers and the check comes and they're like, well, you owe me, uh, I, I got that, you know, this happens a lot when you're in college. Somebody gets a handle and it's like 20 bucks and then, you know, you you all split the handle for the weekend and then at the end, the guy tries to Venmo everybody. It's like, and then one guy's like, I only drank three shots out of that, so I'm just going to pay you. that kind of shit. That's fine when you're a kid because like you don't really get it yet and everybody's still just petty and doesn't understand. But what it really says is this small amount of money is more important to me than our relationship. That's what cheapness says when you're, when you're, when you're, Awkward about money with your close friends, it says, I care more about this $10 that I don't feel like I necessarily have to pay. I care more about that than I do about us being on fine terms. I understand if if you feel like your friend is legitimately trying to rip you off or screw you over, that's another thing. But you go out, like I said, to a restaurant somebody's entree is five more dollars than yours and you split the check and now you're realizing, oh shit, if we split the check, his entree was five more dollars than mine. That means that I'm going to have to pay $2.50 more uh, than I should have to and he's going to have to pay $2.50 less. And that's enough. That $2.50 is enough for that person to raise an issue and, and, and say out loud, well, actually, I mean... Don't you think you should probably put more on your card just because your thing was a little bit more expensive? Again, I get it if you got a cheeseburger and they got a fucking sur- uh, a flat iron steak. They got an $80 steak and you got a $12 cheeseburger. Okay, fine. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just laying out a general theme of cheapness. It says that you care more about money than relationships. And as that pertains to dating, if a guy feels okay with making that statement on the first date that... This half of the check is more important to me than making you feel special and appreciated. Um, when somebody tells you who they are, listen. Because, again, everybody's the best version of themselves on that first date. If the best version of this guy is, I'm still not paying for your shit. That's the best version of this guy. I get it. If you've been dating for a while, yeah, you're in a long-term relationship. Obviously, the guy shouldn't pay for everything. This isn't 1940. We both have jobs. We're both making money. And it's, again, it's a bad, it's a bad sign when a girl never offers to pay, when she feels like she's always entitled to be paid for. That's bullshit too. But on the first date, it is a sacred societal, just not even a custom. It's just the way it should be. It is a man's time to demonstrate his value to the woman. And you're demonstrating to the woman that you don't care enough about the situation to pay for the meal. Do not put up with that, ladies. Do not put up with it. Leave. Do not text back. Do not fuck him. Do not. He's a loser. Le who's the her? He's a loser. 
Second date, we'll talk. First date, nope. Women should offer, man should pay. Anything else, run away. And that concludes my red flags here, folks. Wow, what a series. I'm like fucking tired. I have done 30 red flags over the past 24 hours. It gets tough. Gets tough when you when you do like a three, four minute, five minute diatribe on every single one. I mean, that's a lot. But we're through it. I mean, did I miss anything? I'm sure I did. There's so many other red flags. I just did the top 10 three times. <laughs> but the moral of the story is, folks, on this lovely part two, Valentine's Day was yesterday. I think Valentine's Day observed is tomorrow, Friday. Um, for a lot of people. So that's why I still feel like it's timely and appropriate to be releasing this segment, this series. Um, I'm happy we did it. Um, and if you plan, if you had fun last night with your significant other, or if you're doing something tonight with your side chick, or if you're taking your significant other out tomorrow, like a sensible person to a restaurant, regardless, happy Valentine's day. Um, uh, Whatever. What else the fuck can I say? How could I possibly think of more things to say? Um, before I leave, I got to leave you with some picks. obviously. This is, after all, just a long excuse to do a gambling show, to brag slash lament about my uh, sports picks. Um, so let's do that real quick before we sign off. Last night, we had... Uh, well, let's talk about last night because in reality, I killed it. We killed it. But in practice, we didn't. What I mean by that is specifically as it pertains to the DraftKings Clash on the Court bonus. Now, since the beginning of this season on DraftKings, that Clash on the Court bonus has always been uh, a 50% straight bet boost. For whatever reason, last night, I didn't bother looking into it just because I was used to it being that way the past 15 times. For whatever reason, last night, it was a single game parlay boost for 50%. I didn't know that when I recorded the segment yesterday. I didn't find that out until after I went to go place the picks that I told you to place and I realized, oh, I need to parlay two picks. It might have even been three. I'm going to assume it was two. Now, the reality is, yesterday I sat here and said that I was between two picks for that game, assuming that I could only make one. This was the South Carolina at Auburn college basketball game last night. I said I was tied between Auburn minus 11 and a half and the game total over 136 and a half. My model showed Auburn as 12 and a half point favorites, and it showed the total line as 144 and a half. So I was saying it's either going to be Auburn spread or over. I decided on the over. Again, because I thought I had to pick one. Now it turned out, we had we parlayed both of those, had I just made both of those picks, Auburn minus 11 and a half and 
over 136 and a half, we would have won that parlay. A 50% boosted parlay of those two picks would have landed us like a plus, I want to say 350. Maybe more. I'm going to say, let's say plus 400, make it easy. That would have been like a plus 400 bet. And that would have hit last night. That would have been four units right there. But since I didn't say to do that, and I'm playing this game on hard mode, I'm not going to count that. What I'm also not going to do is not count it at all simply because I got the terminology wrong. I'm not going to have won both of those picks, accurately selected both of those picks, and then not count either of them in our equation. Because I did take the over as a bet, and it won. So what I'm going to do is called a compromise. I'm going to meet you in the middle here. What I'm going to do is not give myself the four units for the parlay because that would be too generous. Some people would consider that cheating. I'm not going to not give us anything because that seems unfair to me to, see, to say that I got two good picks last night and because I got the bonus terminology wrong, neither one of them get to count. That's unfair. So what I'm going to do is base it off of what it usually is, which is a 50% boosted straight bet. Ours would have been the over at minus 110, boosted to plus 136, which is what it always gets boosted to. That's a 50% bet on a minus 110. 50% boost is plus 136. And I'm going to count that as a 1.36 unit win last night. Okay? Not going to give myself the full four units if it had been a parlay boosted. And I'm not going to give myself zero units uh, because of the, the terminology. I'm going to give myself right in the middle, less than the middle. I'm going to give myself 1.36 units for that. Outside of that, um, Kings Nuggets live boost uh, did not hit. I said over 229 and a half. I think the final score was 102 to 98. So it just it didn't even come close. So that was a loss of a unit. Uh, Purdue Fort Wayne money line we had with the DraftKings all sports boost 50%. That did not hit. They lost 63 to 71. So that's uh, minus one unit there as well. Um, the Panthers Penguins hockey game, uh, yes, goal in the first 10 minutes also did not hit. That was a boost on DraftKings as well. So that's another unit loss. Um, however, I also said that we should take the Panthers money line, boosted that up uh, to plus 100, and that did hit. They won five to two. So that cancels out the previous one. So overall, we had two wins and three losses last night coming out to a total, uh, night total last night of, let's see, 0.36, negative 0.64 units, uh, which brings us to our overall total currently standing over 16 bets at positive 0.85 units. That is a 5.31% positive yield so far, which is much closer to actually what you should be expecting. So this is an example of the math working itself out. I'm expecting about a 4 to 5% yield, and we're sitting at that right now after 16 bets. It's still highly volatile right now, but this is we're right where I thought we should be. And so that looks good. But that being said, tonight, 
I'm feeling fucking lucky and I'm not feeling lucky. I'm just feeling right. I'm feeling hot lately. You know, I've had a bad couple uh, days gambling wise. That's just, that's just how it sways. You know, that's how it goes. Um, but my model is showing UTEP. There's only one boost to speak of tonight. And that is the final day of this DraftKings all sports 50% boost. And I'm saying UTEP University of Texas, El Paso. Money line at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, I believe, are something like six and a half point favorites. I don't know why. For the life of me, I don't know why. Neither team has any injuries to speak of that I can find. Um, my model shows UTEP as like one point favorites. So this is a massive discrepancy between my modeler and Vegas. I can't explain it. But right now, the money line is sitting at plus 235 on DraftKings. You throw a 50% boost on that, you're looking at plus 352. So I'm riding with it. I say we ride with it. It's one unit. If we win, we get three and a half units. If we lose, we lose one unit and we're down to barely below zero. I think that I think if we lose this bet tonight, we're down to negative point. One five units. Who gives a shit? Let it ride. UTEP money line tonight. That's the only rook look I have for you this lovely Thursday. Outside of that, happy Valentine's Day week. My name is Jimmy Seleski. Take it easy. And as always, keep it real. Peace.